Hey, welcome back to the Afternoon Morning Show. My name is Chris Mueller, and I'm joined, as always, by Vinny Kiyomko-Yap. Hello, everyone. Hey, Vinny. So we're doing something a little bit different in this episode. Sometimes we pick topics. Sometimes we do news, current events. Sometimes we talk about, um, you know, things uh, like religion or yeah. Catholicism. Today, I thought it would be interesting to kind of merge a little bit of the two. Um, there's a classification of people that gets a lot of, I think, probably the most labeled group of people in our society right now are the millennials. Yeah. And it strikes me, hey, Vinny, you're a millennial. I don't like the way you label me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel labeled. No, yeah, no, absolutely. That is exactly what I am. Right. So just to clarify, because there's a lot of confusion on this too, millennials are typically now in their 20s and 30s. Yes. The the current generation is called the I generation. Yeah. And really the distinguishing factor about the I generation is they're the kids who are born essentially with an iPhone in their Mm -hmm. hand. They, they've never known a world without smartphones, yeah. whereas you, on the other hand, smartphones were an added things that I think that was added to your life. Yeah, I was, I actually remember because when my dad had his first cell phone that his work gave him and he worked for a computer company at the time, like a, like a c- computer, like security company, they managed data and stuff. And it was the big, like Motorola like it looked like something the military would oh, have. Oh, so like the Zach Morris, the Zach like, Morris yeah, 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 style, yeah, 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 totally. And so that was my first introduction to right. cell phones. Here's another difference between millennials and I generation. Millennials will get the Zach Morris reference. Yes, I generation will not. Yeah, which is really sad because then he, he had those moments yeah. where he would just like everything would stop and he'd just look at the camera. Okay, okay so just real, real quick take on on uh, Saved by the Bell. Zach Morris is a Ferris Bueller ripoff. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it worked. It is what it is, yeah. but, but absolutely a Ferris Bueller ripoff. Matthew Broderick's iconic, iconic See, Ferris Bueller was Ferris good, Bueller. but I would still sit down and watch Saved by the Bell over and over and over again. Yeah. I think Ferris Bueller does bear rewatching. It did strike me, however, at some point in my twenties that, um, he had, there, I think Ferris Bueller had a significant influence on my perception of what it was like to be cool. And it was a terrible terrible things yeah because he's it's such not, he's just he's a, a he's kind of a terrible person yeah. right he's he's manipulative he's a liar he i mean but it, everything kind of coalesces at the end of the movie yeah. obviously but still still very entertaining i honestly think that my favorite part of the movie is <laughs> i just that that particular actually i need to add that to my dad's yeah. fun list i have a playlist on uh on spotify called dad's fun list and uh and that's just, it's got like all kinds of random music from- That's great. Yeah. It, I think we go back to uh, Wayward Son, like uh, for- Yes. Actually, actually came out in 1976, mm-hmm. the year I was born. Um, we've got some aha there, you know, take on me. Dude. Uh, we, it's it's super collective. I've you're got, you're dadding right. I've got the Cure <laughs> Love Cats on there, which no, is kind of fun. Uh, that's a fun song. Got the Eagles. Vanilla Ice did make an appearance and uh, MC Hammer. It's really just a, a random, it started with Mr. Blue Sky. Is there a place where other dads can find this? You know, it's weird because my Spotify is, we, we actually, the Spotify account is under my wife's name. We don't have like a family account. We all share one, which actually does cause quite a bit of frustration because I will be on the road and I'll be listening to a podcast. And then it'll switch to like the wiggles. All of a sudden it's, well, it's, it's hooked on a feeling or something will come on because that is my, my, my three-year-old's favorite song. Yo, when you're three year olds in the blue suede, he, you on. know, Uka Chaka, Uka. Mm-hmm. He does play Uka Chaka, dad. Play Uka That's Chaka. That's what he calls it? Yeah. Oh, totally. So good. So there you go. And typically it is our nine year old daughter who is the one who is taking over the, uh, the, um, 
to That's Spotify. The best. My seventh grader uh, likes to put on on like white noise when she goes to sleep, and so she has found a track called "Smooth Brown Noise," which has been the source <laughs> of many jokes in our family. <laughs> Smooth brown. Noise. So if you go on our Spotify under the recently played smooth brown, brown noise, is there all the time. And I've yeah, it's been many many jokes about. <laughs> I got your smooth brown noise right here. <laughs> it's just sounds of things dropping into a water. In it's, water. Just, <laughs> it's so many jokes, and then like the baby will like, you're like oh, there's like Will just made some smooth brown noise. So there you go. Um, it's just low. And Heidi fell right asleep. It was amazing. Just just like that. It's like Sleeping Beauty. It just it's just constant replays of just low like tuba noises it's just low tuba noises yeah anyway so this is not at all what we're gonna talk about in the podcast so but again so Vinny, you are a millennial not an i generation yes i am a late gen x Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of on the border of gen x i think and i'm kind of in the middle of the millennials right you know yeah so i think you have very fairly representative so Mm -hmm. i thought we could maybe talk about that and because i think there's a lot of energy in, in the church in the in society because millennials are viewed as somewhat alien, like particularly to baby boomers, totally different. Yeah. And some statistics, uh, you know, that used to be the American dream was, you know, buy your home in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials are, for the most part, not buying homes. No. Um, millennials are getting married later and later. Um, and millennials are having less children. They're saying on average they'd like to have like 2.5, but they're actually having 1.3, mm-hmm. I think is the, is the the numbers that I just made up there. So uh, I, I don't somewhere know you can have from the recesses of, of my brain, that makes sense. So anyway, so Vinny, let's talk about that. So in particular, let's talk about um, the experience of church. And we'll start there and we'll go. Cool. And I'm just going to throw it out in a very broad question. As you're a millennial, so you don't have to like, I'm like, as a millennial, mm. what are you looking for in your church experience? But no, really, like what, if you're, if I was going to say to you, what, what do you love about church? What do you feel like is missing from church? Well, so let's start mm. with what do you love about the experience of church? And obviously you're, you are a Roman Catholic, yeah. you serve in Roman Catholic mm-hmm. ministry um, as a, a coordinator of uh, youth ministry. But okay, so what do you love about that? Um, I love the, the built-in community, like even growing up in church, my big thing was, um, you know, my parents wanted to get me to church on the mornings where I wasn't absolutely fighting them. They go, hey, we're going to go see this family today or go see this family today. And so like we would go to church and go do our thing. And then we'd go grab donuts with like a family mm-hmm. that we were close with, whether it was from scouting or something. So there was that built in sense of community mm-hmm. already. Okay. Um, and especially as a, as a young, as a young kid, um, I could have really cared less what was going on in the mass. Right. So initially for me, it was all about the community. It was all about the people around me that made church like worth going to. Okay. So yours, and I just want to be clear though. So is that like a, that's what you liked about church or that's what you currently like about church? It's still what I like about church now, but it has such a different connotation to it. So like, in the sense of when I was young, it was all about the community. Right. Now that I understand what's going on, mm-hmm. it's the fact that I get to celebrate the mass with community. Okay. Now, I, I, there's something I, I've noticed this about my life, and I'm, I'm here I am taking over. Uh, when you work in ministry, community in the church is easier. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, what do you think the experience of most people your age is in terms of community in the church? Well, I know well, a lot of us church hop. Okay. I know for a while— when I was, I, before I started working in ministry at St. Martha's, I did a lot of church hopping. Right. I did a lot of trying to find 
community that wanted me around someplace that kind of that I kind of jived with. Well, let's expand on that. That wanted you around. What does that mean? So, and I, I hate, I hate to say it, but I, my experience with, um, a parish was, had joined a core team, um, that was basically just using the core members and not really like feeding back into it they just really needed to help which they I mean, they absolutely needed the help sure you know sure um and from my understanding this parish is 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 killing it now like they're doing they're doing great right but at the time um i had another experience at the same time i was beginning to help here um a friend took me to a parish up the road from from where the parish that i i was at at the time um and they were just wanting to like they, they just had this the minute you got there they made you feel like okay you were pulled in okay so that's i want to point something out because that's something that's often missed about millennials but there is a and statistically it's shown there's a desire to be involved yes. in something mm-hmm. bigger than themselves right oh, yeah um and so you know if you're looking if you're gonna if you're gonna say broad things about people and again we're talking people in their 20s mm-hmm. and 30s these are not these are not teenagers anymore these are, there's some college students, but for the most part, we're talking about people who are starting careers yeah. and, and maybe starting They're families. They're functioning adults. Yeah, absolutely. There's a desire to be involved and to be valued, mm. but but to be involved in something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And so you, when you say like, it took me a while to find a place where I felt wanted. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Because it wasn't that I was even just welcomed. It was that I felt wanted. Yeah. Like wanted. Yeah. Right. Because the, 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 the difference between being a part of something that's building something versus- being wanted in a place that has the goal of building something. Right. You know? Yeah. That's, and that, that was huge. So I was getting fed at one place and then going back and taking that energy. Right. And trying to give it to where I originally was. Right. And was hitting a lot of resistance. Okay. With that at the time. Okay. And so it was so, that made it so much easier for me to be like, peace, I'm out. Okay. So you would say your experience, so your, your, your experience of church, like it started, community was a big part of it. Still yeah, a big part of still it. Still a big part of it. Um, and the reason you're at the parish you're at now was because that's where you found a home. Yeah, absolutely. And okay. I say St. Martha's, <clears throat> I started there purely just playing music. Right. Purely just playing music. As a volunteer. Yeah. We weren't paying you. No. I think that's very important. Oh, um, no. Yeah. No, th- this was all. Had volu- I, had I my way. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, actually. No, No, go ahead. Um, But the one thing that that you guys had done when I first came up here was immediately, like, there wasn't the goal of, like, we need to bring him in. It just felt so, like, natural. The minute I got there, you guys were doing things I had never had experienced before. Right. The quality of everything was so much higher than than I had anticipated on top of that community being just so like welcoming like I had been there forever. Okay, now th- okay, I'm going to I'm going to there's a couple buzzwords you just okay. said there. Quality. Yes. Is something that I think also in, in in looking at and research on on people in their 20s and 30s, you know, I I will see a lot of movements, a lot of um particularly a lot of Christian movements, mm-hmm. but also I would say in the secular world, the the level of attention paid to things like design yeah, the level of attention paid to things like video production yeah. or or just the 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 Sunday experience, right, is higher. And so that the idea of quality is 
is new too, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's new to people who work in church too, in particular, that the idea of, wait, quality. Because we, we get in this mindset of, well, we just do, we just do what we do, right? Um, yeah. And, and we forget that sometimes that on the speakers or um, the, the, the lector who um, is really bad at lecturing mm. or, or the usher who's just a grump um, or, or the lighting that is really good at lighting the, bla- the back wall in the, in the beautiful artwork, but then you can't see the presider's face. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things, it's, they're like jagged edges on a water slide. Yeah. You know, and, and, and millennials, and I, I'm so doing the, and millennials. And millennials. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is that the millennials, this particular category mm-hmm. of people, but, but again, and it's not just millennials. I, and in some respects, I feel like millennials are a megaphone for the rest of the people in the church, Gen X in particular, because no one paid attention to us because mm-hmm. our generation was the smallest. So we're feeling very angsty about that still, but, um, still a lot of Pearl Jam. Little, but like, there's that, there's part of us that wants to walk in and, a not have the jagged edge on the water slide yeah. and B be proud of yeah it. You know what I mean? Like to come in and, and to be have to, to like yeah. have an experience that we want to invite friends to. Um, well, and something, something too, that, that if you look at a lot of millennials, how involved were they in school? Like in, in high school, right? Oh yeah. There's a, there's a, like a, like a school pride you know, yeah. and how many of them, like, whether you were a band geek or not, or whether you were super involved or not super involved, we, you, there was still like a higher amount of, at least just from my experience, I remember being in high school and being like, oh yeah, you know, the high school I went to, it's cool. But then the minute we got into games, ah! oh, your like, tribe. Yeah, it, it was, it, we turned into it. Yeah, exactly. We turned into a tribe. Right. But it was something that we were proud of together. So I think that, but that hits a nail on the head is that. You want something to be proud of that right. you're a part of. Now, and this is interesting too, because that tribe mentality, if you look at advertising, I think the, the stat is if you can get someone to kind of commit to a product between 18 and 25, mm-hmm. they'll likely be a lifetime user yeah. of that product. Oh, absolutely. Right. And so what, what does that what does that say to in terms of church? Well, again, we are not selling a product, but we are trying to bring people into relationship yeah. with Jesus Christ. And we're missing that passionate age right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where that idea of this is the, I make a life choice. I discern my future yeah. in this point. Um, and so that, again, that quality kind of comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, when, okay. So you said they, that, that the parish was doing things that were higher quality. Let's kind of quantitate that. What does that mean? What are we talking about? Are you, are you talking about design on their, on their materials? Are you talking about, um, what do you, I don't know. What are you talking about? So the, the things that stuck out to me about, um, about, what we were doing at, I can say St. Martha's, right? I'm Martha's. sure. I'm sure. Why not? I'm not affiliated with them anymore. I'm not affiliated things, with you. Uh, sorry. That was um, Mr. Incredible. I'm glad you, yeah. Mr. Incredible and Incredible Boy. He's like, I'm Incredible Boy. You're not affiliated with me. Sorry. Just referencing movies there. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Well, anyways. <laughs> I'm in my middle ages. I can, I can associate with Mr. Incredible now. Um, how does that make you feel? A little bit off. Right? Yeah. Um, so it, kind of the, the key things that quality wise that when I walked in, um, first off the building in itself, attention to detail, like it wasn't like four or five walls with pictures and icons and, um, you know, stations of the cross on them. Right. There was an attention to detail of how it looked, how everything was mapped out. So first off that caught my eye. Cause I hadn't been minus to a couple parishes in San Diego from the area I'm from. 
where it was just very elaborate and a little older school style, but you walk in and it was just like kind of awestruck of like, man, this is different. This is, there's something that, but again, like as an artist, now, I will say, just to kind of give you a background on the church we're talking about, St. Martha's, we were very fortunate to have a pastor kind of bring that church yeah. through. Um, and I will say that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was just at St. Vincent de Paul in Huntington Beach, and it's a very similar- it's So gorgeous. Totally different space, but gorgeous. it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like, oh, well, you can tell this was pastor yeah. who, who did this, and oh, this was father this who did that. And it- Everything from the start to finish, yeah. from the, it all kind of makes sense. You walk in and it's unified. Mm-hmm. Um, and St. Martha's is like that. You walk into the church and it makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's okay. So I'm, I'm going to just kind of the underpoint tone. Like, so you, you walked in, it made everything made sense. It was well done. Yeah. And I'll just kind of the explanation there is um, there's something about us that we like order. Mm-hmm. We like things to make sense. Um, and so when you when you de- design a space, whether that be a church or an office building or a home, um, when things kind of make sense, they work together, you're you're subconsciously more comfortable, right? Yeah, you just it's easier to be present in that space. In my office right now is a total disaster. yeah, and it it's a little bit uncomfortable to be in it because it's just kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just out in Orange County and uh, with um, Life Teens design staff, and they're in the process of putting together a new office space. And it's amazing the attention to detail there, but it, it helps them work, mm. right? Um, and this is not feng shui. This is not that. It's just- Well, no, but it, it, there's to bring order into a space. Like the I've, I heard growing up and still here today that um, a cleaner room in which you dwell makes everything else a lot easier to comprehend and do. Well, there's so many too productivity things uh, where they'll say, make your bed. Yeah. You know, make your bed. Why? Because you start with that idea of order in your life. So I, that's very interesting. So, okay, so you you came in, it, there was attention to detail. There was an order to yeah. things um, that stood out to you. Um, wh- okay, so what else? What Number else? two. Yeah. Um, the music was... Though, you know, again, like the, the standards for music now during mass are a little different than, than, you know, we were trying to build to where we are now, but like still coming in and even just like what a bass mass feels like with your normal hymns and things like that. Um, I will you know, I, I do want to give credit where credit is due that the sound in there at that time, um, was, was good. It was like. I mean, the parish I grew up at, there were still like pops and things going on and speakers Again, and stuff. And those are those rough edges on yeah. the water slide, right? And yeah. it, you go like, well, what's not that important? It's yeah. not that big a deal, but it is. Because you, when you're bringing in someone who's not already bought in, yeah. let me put it that way. And, and as church, we have to face it mm. that the reality is it's not just millennials. It's I generation, it's Gen X, and it's a large portion of the baby boomers. They're not bought in. Yeah. And so if they came to church curiously... Um, the pops, the buzzes, the fizzes. You're telling me this is the most important thing I could do with my week is spend an hour here. Yeah. Like this is the the source and the summit of my faith. And this is the way you present that? It's incongruous. It doesn't make yeah. sense, right? And so that's, you know, those pops and crackles yeah. and things are a problem. And then the last thing uh, about it was after mass, the amount of people that would hang out. Back to community. After mass, yeah. Yeah. The, the fact is that they all sat together at mass. Mm-hmm. They all knew each other and then would go out 
And again, like the people that would hang out afterwards were also a part of, of the core team. Okay. Right. You know, but, but still like there was this wanting to, to hang out that a lot of times as I got older in the parish I grew up in, you know, you hit that 1030. If you went to 930 mass, you went to 1030 and immediately everything just went right. And everybody vacated. Right. You know, so though, though that community was there when I was younger was lost as I got older because the right. people that we were hanging out with. Right. Their kids got older. So let me, let me put in this kind of language, seeing that other people had bought in made you more likely to buy in. Absolutely. All right. Is that, and again, I don't want to use consumer language because well, no, we want to get away from consumerism in the church, but seeing that other people were here made mm -hmm. you want to be here. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So these are things you like about church. This, those things I love right. about church. I just want to be cognizant of our yeah. time, where we at. We're, we're, oh my gosh, we're 21 minutes in. All right. So let's deal with some of the things like if, what, what would, what are the, some of the things that as, as a millennial, mm -hmm. as a person in your twenties, <laughs> maybe thirties, mm -hmm. um, well, as a millennial, what, as a millennial, that sounds so stupid. Yeah. So Vinny, what are some of the things that you look at the experience of church and you go, I, I know this turns people off or has turned me off. Um, the first one, cause the first one would be, oh, it sounds bad, but what does it sound like in there? Okay. Like, so what, yeah. What does it, what does it sound like? Because the minute I go in, if the, the, the group that's doing mass, God bless them because they're taking their time to do so. But if it's not together, I'm going to struggle. Like I can, I can probably go through it now. But if I was at my place when I came to St. Martha's, right, and that was the issue, yeah, I, it would it would have taken me a lot longer to buy in. So absolutely, I, I will. I will uh, as a Gen X person, I will absolutely agree with you on that. That that's really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and if my every day, my every Sunday experience is like that, it's very frustrating because as a person with six kids, when I'm I'm trying to follow and be part of the mass and actively participate. Sound makes a difference. There's a parish in Orange County, and I don't want to call anybody out. Very beautiful, very well-known, kind of a landmark. Um, so echoey in the mm. church. And people walk in, they go, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. But then you actually try to participate in the mass there. And if the people actually do participate, it sounds like you're you're in Grand Central Station or something. Mm. It's just so yeah. hard. Uh, the homily or the canter or the readings, they're almost indiscernible mm. because of all of the echo off mm. of there. It's a very beautiful space, but they didn't give any yeah. thought to, is it a functional yeah. space? Right. So, okay, I, I can go with that. that. That's the thing that could turn you off. What else? Um, number two, um, trying to get into the pews like so community com or i think i know what you're going for here go ahead yeah continue <laughs> the community of the people like my so here's my experience of saint martha's trying to get in with with a with a full pew people are trying to find space for you right whereas i've been elsewhere and people have done the this is my spot if you wanted to sit on the I end will, you should have got here early i will beat you you can walk you know? over me yeah yeah oh um, yeah 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 I, and i i would say that's the difference between a welcoming church and a non-welcoming yeah. church is when do the people who get there first go to the middle yeah. or do they sit on the ends right mm -hmm. and you know that and that you can you can usually tell right away like is that are that are those welcoming yeah. people or are they there for themselves based on and that's a very broad generalization they vary yeah but 
you know, and there's sometimes where we've had to park on the end because my dad's coming in and he's currently yeah. in a wheelchair. Right? Well, but I, but I think that's, but I think that's right. a different story though. Like people look at that right. and I think, I think we also have enough kids that when we're on the end, we're actually in the, in middle, the middle too. Yeah. We take up the entire half. Just go to the that's other side. That's very true. It's, yeah. You know, the Mueller clans. But we do, but again, I, I, my kids, I've tried to make a point that we sit towards yeah. the middle and we scoot. When we see people, we move. Yeah. And if there's a pregnant lady. You, we, better well, you better believe one of us is yeah. getting up if that yeah. lady needs a seat. Well, and even then, like, so let's say they don't move. But one of my experiences at St. Martha's on the good side of things is that people will get up, walk out of the pew to let everybody down and then come back in no matter what point in the mass it is. Right. Like okay. there's, there's still that like we're intentionally getting up to do stuff. Right. Whereas I have definitely the thing that has like turned me off is going someplace and they just like, they stare you down. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and I don't, again, there's a tendency on the part of everybody to assign motives. Right. Yeah. Like, and so when you get to church and you're, you're there and maybe you haven't been in a while and you have a little anxiety um, or you're coming back or you've got your kids and it's hard to go with kids. You feel very self-conscious. Um, and then you get there and and you're greeted by that. You've just started a narrative. And don't you better believe that the devil wants to play with that. Well, man, this, they know shouldn't be here and they don't want you here. And like they're already judging you. Yeah. You know, all this stuff comes in the mind. So you may, as a seat, as me, as a, as a, as a person there who got there early, because I like to be early, um, I may be thinking, well, I got here early. That's yeah. not a big deal. I got six kids. Um, but to the, to the 20 something who's there by themselves, they're thinking I'm not wanted. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, th- I would, I would agree. That's the, that's what you're being told. Yeah. What else? Vinny? What else? Um, and one of the, one of the bigger things that I know that I would, like, I found myself even now, even though like I'm a little more, um, compassionate <laughs> towards parishes that I'm visiting just because like, I know kind of, I, I get it. Right. Um, cause I work in a parish, but some, the preaching, yeah, the preaching, I don't care what you're talking about, but if you're not speaking from a passionate place, right. I'm out. Okay. Because, because again, like if I'm there putting and I, and, but here's kind of the consumer part of me though, is like, if I'm making sure that I'm made time to do this because it's important to me. Right. I want to know that I'm going in and the person that's helping me enter in right. is just as passionate. Right. Okay. So, so like that was something that I love about St. Martha's is that I got in and the pastor that was there wasn't necessarily always engaging vocally, <laughs> but man, he, like you could tell that he did his research. He carried his passionate, maybe a little erudite and a little yeah, elevated. a little bit. But, but he's real. But he's real. Yeah. And then the priests we have now. Yep. All real. Yep. No matter what. Yep. And and but I but I've also been in parishes to where even though it's short, passion's still there. Right. I've been at churches with my family when we've been traveling where the priest talks for almost 25, 30 minutes. Right. And is just going on and on and Bueller. Can I can I throw out just I think I want to qualify, not qualify, maybe clarify. When you're saying that Again, the preaching isn't the focus of the mass, no. right? But authenticity at the time of the homily matters. Yeah. So I think there's, and some, I, I think even maybe have been taught, I don't really know, but sometimes you'll encounter people and they'll put on like their preaching voice. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know what that is. And, and there was a style of oration at one point that you, maybe you can look back at and go, okay, that's um, like, it's an antiquated style. I would say what I'm hearing from you is that is repellent 
to most people your age. Yeah. Like if you're getting up there and like uh, Ted Cruz uh, is, a, is a politician. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when he gets up to give a speech, he gets very, I'm giving my speech now. Yeah. And you saw in the, in the latest election. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Mike Mike Pence. Yeah. Terrible. Because he, he doesn't come off like a real person. Hillary Clinton, same thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't come off like a real person. In, and, and to kind of make the parallel, Donald Trump was terrible. Was terrible. But came off like a real person. Yes. I would argue the last... If you look at the last bunch of presidential elections, so it's not just a millennial thing. No. The person who won was the one who came off like a real person. Yeah. And I've, I've made this argument before, but Bush uh, Jr. came off like a real person. Actually, no, I'll go back to Clinton. Clinton versus Bush. Uh, Clinton came off more real than Bush, mm-hmm. right? Um, then you go Obama versus McCain. Dude, Obama came Obama, off personable, yeah. right? Um no, I, I forgot another Bush, but Bush Bush Jr. versus yeah. Gore. Gore came off like Frankenstein. Oh, Bush man. Jr. came off like a real person. I remember being old enough and, and understanding kind of what was going on. Yeah. He Gore scared me. Like he, he, he was he, yeah, Frankenstein's monster. But you can go all the way back to like just look at like Kennedy versus Nixon. I mean, it goes you can go back and you go back, you go back. The person who came off more authentic, even though the politics didn't necessarily make a difference for the swing voters. The authenticity was yeah. what mattered. Oh, and yeah. I, and I, I don't want to make church politics, but if you're trying to get people who are on the fence, coming off like you were a real human being mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Yeah. Right. Because, so. and I, but I think there is where some of the, and this is kind of on a, on a side note, but when we look at our, our priests, the ones that are the most effective are the ones that are able to make themselves sound human. But they are not, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. not not like okay. So Father Mike Schmitz. Oh yeah, he's, and he's, he's you know very well known, obviously at this point. But Father Mike Schmitz is Father Mike Schmitz. Is what you get, and again, like when we met him when he came to Saint Martha's, you know, he is who, he is, I who had, he is. I had like the idea of who he was on screen. Yep. Like watching his YouTube stuff, yep. and but then meeting him in person and actually getting to like go to confession with him. Same guy. Same guy. What yep. you got on screen is what you're getting in person and yep. there's no more, no less. Like, Father Leo Padlinghug, same thing. He is who he is. And yeah. and it's there's an authenticity there. And that's why these guys can get up and do their YouTube videos or their shows or be in front of a stadium of 1,000, 2,000 mm-hmm. people and, and connect. It's because what they're connecting with is there's a real person yeah. there. And I- I'm inspired by that because I'm a real person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there's, you know, and that's, so I just think it's, yeah, I think that goes a long way. We have crossed over 30 minutes. Is there anything else uh, that you want to add to that? That is like the turnoffs as it were? No, no, no. Um, it, for me, those, those, those are big things because most everything else I can look over. Yeah. You know, like everything else is, is something that it's just that community is, has so, that going on? Okay, so I just want to. There's a lot of movement or energy right now in the church that says millennials want it to go back to the traditional. They they want Latin and chant. Mm. And what what's your take on that? Um, I think if those are options, let them be options because I, I those are beautiful. Sure. I def, I definitely know that that I enjoy a lot of the more traditional stuff, right? But have absolutely, obviously, as as a as a worship leader. Like, I think as a worship leader, if you can still appreciate all of the tradition and do some of the Latin mass and yet still do your thing as a worship leader, right? there's a balance that can be, there's, there is a balance that is possible. So if I'm, if I'm in a place of leadership in a parish and I want to 
be more attractive to millennials? Do we want to go for more of a um, Tridentine Latin chant approach? Do you want to go for more of a um, contemporary worship approach? Or does it not even matter? It just has to be authentic. It has to be authentic. I think it has to be authentic. That's, that is what, that is what is, is making ministries so successful. Yeah. Uh, is is the fact that it's genuine. Okay, awesome. I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, the Afternoon Morning Show is brought to you by Everyday Catholic. We make media you want to watch. Everydaycatholic.com. And just a reminder, this is a, a 501c3 nonprofit. We depend on the support of listeners like you. And so if you love the Afternoon Morning Show, possibly the Weekly Word podcast, you can get more information on how to support that at everydaycatholic.com backslash donate. I think next week, Vinny, we're going to talk about how to lead from the pews. Love it. I actually just started a book, like writing a book along those lines, because there's a lot of good, like how to transform your parish, like rebuild mm-hmm. or divine renovation. And they're really for pastoral staffs. But next week, I want to talk about how to lead from the pews. Love it. All right. I'm done. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.